Hello, everyone. Welcome to the McGill International Review podcast. I am your host, Andrew Wei. Today, we will be talking about the dramatic downfall of the Golden Globe Awards and the mysterious organization that hands them out, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Over the past two years, the Golden Globes went from the biggest party in Hollywood to a disgraced awards show outcasted by the industry and relegated to announcing their winners on Twitter. What exactly happened that led to such a rapid fall from grace? To help us understand the turbulent recent experience of the Golden Globes, I sat down with Stacey Perman and Josh Rottenberg, two LA Times journalists who were central in the reporting and investigation into the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. I am so thrilled and excited uh, to be joined here by Stacey Perman and Josh Rottenberg. Stacey and Josh, thank you both so much for joining me here. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. So let's start kind of general with learning about the central character of this story. Uh, Stacy. who exactly are the Hollywood Foreign Press Association and what do they do? Well, they're a group of, of foreign journalists. The number fluctuates quite a bit. It fluctuated from the beginning of when we started our reporting till today. But the group began in, I think, 1943, a bunch of um, journalists from other countries that were covering the entertainment business were not getting any traction with the studios. So they banded together and created this association to get access with sort of critical mass. About a year after they founded themselves, they started giving out the Golden Globe Awards thinking it would raise their profile. And it certainly did um, over the years they have become a major part of the awards ecosystem. And um, Josh might want to add something to that. Yeah, they uh, figured out that if you want to um, kind of, you know, get in with the power center of Hollywood, a great way to do that is to give people awards uh, because who doesn't want to win an award? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that gave them this sort of perch um, of power and influence and over time, you know, the awards that started out as a bit of an also ran, you know, became a much more uh, important part of the awards calendar. You know, they they made this sort of smart decision to put the awards in January, a couple of months before the Oscars, which, you know, made uh, them feel like the kind of kickoff event to award season and that they would be the ones to kind of winnow down the field of potential Oscar contenders that just gave this very tiny and kind of mysterious group a tremendous amount of influence. And it led the studios to really invest, you know, what has come to be tens of millions of dollars annually in trying to secure Golden Globe nominations and wins that they can then use um, in marketing and for publicity. Um, Because if you talk to uh, publicists, they'll tell you that it's very hard to have sort of serious adult oriented movies without awards to sort of support them. And just to take a step back, you know, what's interesting about this group is, as Josh said, it's tiny and mysterious. So when we started reporting our story, there were 87 members. That's a pretty small group of people to have a very uh, influential place in Hollywood. But the other part of that is there was very little transparency. They never listed who their members are, what their affiliations were up until the time um, we started reporting this, many months later, they, they, they started doing that um, piecemeal. And there was always questions about the members themselves and their actual journalistic bona fides. So there was always this sort of um, 
mystery and shadow surrounding this group. Very interesting. And um, Stacey, I, I was hoping that, I was wondering if you could elaborate a bit on kind of, it sounds like this organization holds a lot of power in the industry with being such a small organization, right? So what makes the, uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association or the HFPA kind of qualified to play this big of a role in Hollywood or like, are they even qualified at all? Well, I mean, that's the question. And that has been a question over the years. Um, if you ever watch the show when Ricky Gervais hosted it, he would make very barbed jokes, you know, cutting at that very, the, the heart of that, that question. And it was kind of an open secret. People kind of went along. But um, the show beginning, I believe in the 80s began being slickly produced by Dick Clark Productions. And then when it went on NBC, it became this big production. So it became this sort of um, avalanche of events that gave them a lot of power and influence that really didn't match who they were. As Josh said, the, the show kicked off awards season just by sheer dint of being the first out of the gate. They, they had some sort of bellwether quality to them. And then it became a huge marketing tool in Hollywood. You were able to use that in the campaign for the prestige awards. You could say, you know, X was a nominated film or um, Y was a Glo Golden Globe winning actor. And that, that just became part of this whole universe where money, power, and Hollywood kind of collided. And so you mentioned that uh, Ricky Gervais, he does make a lot of jokes during whenever he hosts the Golden Globes and kind of taking shots at the uh, the open secret uh, within Hollywood. So I was just wondering if you could also elaborate on kind of how the Golden Globes were perceived in Hollywood and how uh, the HFPA were perceived by publicists and other members of the industry. I think it was perceived as a marketing tool. It was perceived as a really great party, a fun party. I think, you know, different people in the industry had different experiences with the HFPA. I think if you talk to publicists and as our reporting bore out, they had a lot of difficulty with the HFPA. They found them to be a very difficult group on a, on a number of fronts. Um, from you know whether they were actually going to get coverage for the press conference, whether they were going to be asked for favors. Um, studios seem to generally um, view them, you know, in this in this lens of a, of a marketing tool that, yes, wouldn't it be great to win a Golden Globe? I mean, I think if you notice in past or recent, most recent years, when streamers like Netflix and Amazon started coming up, they made a real effort to campaign for their projects because, you know, they could say, you know, that showed sort of a gravitas that they weren't just some, you know, streamer that they had, you know, that they were a player in, in, in Hollywood in terms of content and prestige. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the HFPA was seen as very useful to Hollywood. Um, you know, it's, it's a much different proposition to court 85 people than it is to try to influence the 10,000 members of the Film Academy or the 25,000 members of the Television Academy. Um, you know, here you have this very small group that is very eager to rub elbows with stars and appears very receptive to, uh, you know, being wooed with gifts and parties and free trips. Um, so, you know, you put that together and you, uh, you know, you can treat it as a joke, but it's it's actually a very serious business when you see the value of that award. Um, so that kind of created this 
uh, strange symbiotic relationship between the studios and stars and this little group of essentially no-name journalists who, if not for the award, would have no power whatsoever. Um, so a lot has happened definitely with this organization, even just over the past two years. And uh, one of the major catalysts that led to everything that's happened with the HFPA this past year was your investigative uh, articles published uh, by the LA Times, written by the both of you. It's a, it's a fascinating read. And uh, Josh, I was wondering if you would mind summarizing for our audience what your article uh, brought to light concerning the HFPA? Sure. Well, the, the genesis for it was, um, you know, the, the Golden Globes were kind of riding high um, in the last several years. Uh, they had kind of, you know, cleaned up their reputation to some extent by, uh, you know, giving away lots of money to charities and kind of trying to burnish the credibility of the awards. Um, but in 2020, a Nor Norwegian journalist who had been rejected from the group filed a lawsuit against them, kind of alleging this culture of corruption that they operated as a kind of cartel. <clears throat> and uh, her lawsuit was ultimately dismissed, but it sort of spurred us to take a fresh look at the HFPA and see how much really had changed. And that ultimately led to this kind of six month investigation in which we interviewed you know, dozens of people current members, former members, uh, people in the industry who interface with the group. Um, we got internal documents, um, you know, financial documents, and it all kind of painted a picture of this organization that, you know, despite its efforts to kind of clean up its image, really was still dogged by these serious questions of ethics and self-dealing and governance and lack of transparency. Um, and our investigation also revealed that the group uh, didn't have a single black member. And uh, it was really that single fact, maybe more than anything else in the entire big investigation that really kind of sparked this major firestorm that ensued after the story ran. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stacey, I'm gonna ask you, what was the initial response to your LA Times investigation and the revelation that there wasn't a single black journalist within the organization, everything else that came out from your investigation. What was the initial response to that, both from the HFBA and also outside from the industry? Well, I think initially the HFPA thought that they could just sort of shirk this off because they've had, you know, 70 years of scandals and they've weathered most of them and have gotten through them. But for, some, for, for a number of reasons, this time was different. Um, the revelation that they had no black members really um, was a rallying cry for a lot of people in the industry. The advocacy group Times Up actually built a, a social um, social media campaign around it, and you had major filmmakers um, Ava DuVernay, Shonda Rhimes, um, Judd Apatow. I mean, just a, a wide group of people um, tweeting and going on social media about it. Um, I think they, they couldn't ignore it. It was pretty stunning. And then people started talking about their experiences, black filmmakers saying, um, you know, going public and saying things like, 
Um, they were snubbed by the group. There was this sort of uh, quiet agreement that if you agree to a press conference, an HFPA exclusive press conference, you will be considered for a Golden Globe, but they would snub Black-led content or um, content that didn't have marquee names and that you know sort of shunted them from the running. So it sort of opened up this um, Pandora's box of all sorts of pent up frustrations and issues that people in the industry have had. Um, given that it happened, you know, not long after George Floyd was murdered, that sparked the Black Lives Matter. You know, this is a, a society with multiple industries going through different reckonings. And I think it, it, it touched off on that. And then it sort of opened the door to looking at the organization and what it means in Hollywood, you know, why people put stock in it, would they continue to put stock in it? Um, it, it just really sort of like lifted the lid on everything, I think, in a way. And the the, the big turning point, uh, the, the HFPA, you know, sort of announced we're going to undertake these, these transformational reforms. We're going to bring in Black members. We're going to address, you know, our bylaws and, and some of these, you know, issues that we had raised in our reporting. But the real turning point was, um, you had every major Hollywood publicity firm banding together in this incredibly unprecedented way and saying, we as the sort of gatekeepers to celebrity are going to boycott the HFPA until it addresses its diversity, diversity issues and undertakes, you know, real serious, meaningful reform. They, you know, just cut off access to talent. And that talent is really the lifeblood of the HFPA without stars to come to their show they don't have anything. Um, so that eventually led to, uh, you know, Netflix, Warner Brothers, Amazon, all these, uh, you know, major studios that worked with the HFPA saying that they were also gonna stop uh, working with the HFPA. And that really left NBC, which, you know, has aired the Golden Globe since the 1990s, with no option but to pull the plug on the show for 2022. Mm -hmm. And Josh, you mentioned that uh, a lot of the organizational reform and the bylaws that the HFPA proposed as a way to kind of overcome uh, the controversy that they have been facing. So I was wondering if you could explain to us what some of these new reforms were and whether they were able to, you know, were they successful in any way of uh, curing their reputation? Well, it kind of remains to be seen. Uh, the reforms have come in sort of stages and in fits and starts and with a lot of sort of internal dissent in the group that's sometimes spilled into public in a kind of ugly way. You've had some members quit because they felt like the reforms were not going far enough. But essentially, they did pass uh, new bylaws that call, uh, you know, kind of uh, require greater transparency, change some of the governance, bring in some outside board members. Uh, they've instituted things like a ban on gifts and a change to their travel policy. And uh, this fall, they admitted 21 new members, which is by far the most they had ever brought in, including six uh, Black journalists. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of of those reforms, um, a lot of people are, have been sort of skeptical that they're really serious about uh, fundamentally changing the way they operate um, and see these reforms as a bit of sort of window dressing. Um, so while the HFPA, I think, was sort of hoping that they might actually be able to get the show back onto the air this year, um, 
they essentially are still kind of in a timeout from the industry and uh you know any hope that they had of of returning to a normal show this year went out the window and now they're really kind of hoping that uh by next year they'll be sort of embraced once again by the industry mm -hmm. and you mentioned that they've been kind of uh, iced out this year with the awards and uh, the hfpa they did go ahead with their 79th golden globe awards in 2022 but you know there was no live component it was all fully announced online um stacy could you walk us through kind of what the fully online golden globe awards look like this year well, I mean, I wouldn't even say it was online. They basically tweeted out <laughs> the winners. There was no live stream of it. They decided it was an odd format because they decided to make it a show where they would focus on their philanthropies, which is something they fall back on, you know, often when scandal hits to say like, you know, we have this very um, important component to what we do. And so it was strange that they decided not to um, showcase their philanthropies or their grantees in a live stream. So essentially they just um, tweeted out the winners. Um, you know, there were no big after parties. I mean, this like, you know, it's called the party of the year. You know, I, I wrote an article that, you know, after the this year's awards that kind of, you know, talking to people that kind of likened it to as more of an intimate tax, you know, attorneys convention rather than, you know, the big Hollywood hoopla. Um, and the tweets were funny themselves. I mean, you know, that, 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 caused a lot of consternation. Um, I think what was interesting that weekend of the Golden Globes is normally that time of the year, there's a ton of press around the Golden Globes talking about you know, predictions and is it a bellwether for the Oscars, who, who won, who was snubbed, who wore what on the red carpet. And I would say a majority of the, the attention was about the controversy and our investigation and you know the reforms and what they'd done. So I'm not so sure if Optically, it was the best move for them because it kept all of those questions in the air and and stirred up again. And along the lines of the press and kind of the coverage of the Golden Globes, I was wondering, Stacey, did like any award winners even celebrate or acknowledge their new accolades? Well, see, now that's a really interesting part of it. Um, you know, the HFPA has made all these announcements about these reforms. And as Josh said, I think they really thought that, you know, they could get it together to put on a show this year. But um, no celebrity agreed to participate, you know, at, to either accept an award um, or to present an award. I think there were two video, um, you know, video greetings from Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis discussing their philanthropies. But outside of that, it was, you know, it was like, you know, everybody shunned them essentially. And then not that many winners actually acknowledged the win. There were some, I mean, Josh could probably address this more fully, but generally what happens is, you know, Hollywood goes into this mode where they use the nomination and the win after the night, you know, in their campaigns, in their ad campaigns going forward. And you've seen very little of it. It's almost as if, you know, it didn't happen. It happened kind of in a tweet vacuum and that was it. Mm -hmm. And so, Josh, um, how did kind of the absence of a real Golden Globe Awards impact award season and campaigning, seeing as, you know, the Globes used to be a major pit stop on the, uh, the campaign trail to the Oscars? Yeah, I mean, this is already an incredibly challenging uh, award season because of COVID, um, which has really, you know, thrown a damper for the second year in a row on the sort of normal circuit of 
parties and screenings and Q and A's and all the things that uh, go into sort of campaigning for um, you know a Globe or an Oscar or any of the other many awards that constitute award season. Um, not having the Golden Globes, um, it, it just cut one more leg out from under this whole ecosystem. It represents a huge loss of income to uh, you know the awards consultants who this is what they do is the, you know they 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 try to sort of position films and performers for these awards, uh, but then also everything from limo drivers to caterers to florists to you know dress designers. There's there's a, a whole business worth millions of dollars um, in and around you know, Beverly Hills, the weekend of the Golden Globes. So from an economic standpoint, it's had a huge impact. And then, you know, it's only added to this sort of sense of this award season uh, as just being kind of this grim and gloomy one. Um, you know, movies are in a really tough place right now. Uh, they're really, you know, any sort of serious awards contender uh, that got a theatrical release has for the most part struggled at the box office. Um, there's these real sort of existential questions of do movies matter anymore? Why do we care about awards? Why do we care about movies? What is a movie? So, um, yeah, it's a tough time. And, I, you know, the, the Globes were sort of this one point in award season where everybody in Hollywood felt like they could kind of let their hair down and have fun. And there's just not a lot of fun uh, going on right now in Hollywood. It's just a very, not a very festive mood these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that kind of brings us up to speed up to now with everything that's happened now that we're stuck in this not a very festive time with uh, Hollywood going into the Oscars. So now I kind of want to pivot our view from catching everyone up now to look towards the future of the HFPA, of the Golden Globes, of uh, the industry and awards as a whole. Uh, so I was wondering, first off, um, NBC, NBC, they said way back in, I believe, May, they did that uh, they had hoped the HFPA will make enough progress so that NBC will be able to broadcast the Globes in 2023. Um, Stacey, is that going to happen? Like, do you anticipate that happening at all? You know, that's a really good question. And I think everybody wants to know that. I think, you know, some of the clues were already in play. The fact that no celebrity would show up for their award, that very little was talked about it afterwards. You know, even before this, NBC had renegotiated their contract with the Globes a few years ago, and the last few years, they uh, the ratings have tanked, and so it's been kind of a money loser. So, I think they're reevaluating. They've been very quiet about um, 2023. I think the HFPA would like nothing more to get back to business as usual. But you have a lot of holdouts in the industry. Um, not all of the publicists, but many of the publicists are still holding back. I mean, I think, I mean, if you think about there were there were uh, a, a couple or maybe three um, celebrities that made um, a big show of, of of breaking with the HFPA. You had Scarlett Johansson who came out publicly um, and asked other um, actors and actresses to, to to take a break from them and was very critical. You had Mark Ruffalo did similarly, and then most famously, Tom Cruise uh, returned his three Golden Globes. So, as Josh said, you know, without celebrities, they're the oxygen of the HFPA. I think there's a lot of um, open questions. I've heard there's a lot of open questions 
um, despite the reforms. I think most people feel, or a lot of people in the industry feel that they made a lot of announcements about reforms, but they wanted to see them in action. And from the time that they announced them to the time of the most recent Golden Globes, that wasn't enough time, but they've also not addressed certain things. Um, the composition of the members is still a big question. Most of the existing members remain. That's been sort of a, a friction point for a lot of people. The board of directors is made up of, um, you know, largely um, existing members. You know, they they wrapped up a lot of um, existing policies, members, and dynamics in sort of new dressing, and that remains um, problematic for a number of people in the industry. But then you also have, as Josh said you know, this sort of fatigue over awards. So, you know, it's kind of a perfect storm of, of um, issues that put them out of business. Although who knows? I mean, they've survived 70 years, who knows? And um, Josh, what about you? What do you see in the, in the future of the HFP? And do you think they'll be able to return to the good graces of, of the industry? I don't know. It's hard to say at this point. I mean, Hollywood does love a kind of comeback story, but at the same time, uh, you know, like Stacy said, it's not really clear uh, how much has actually changed and whether that's enough for the industry to sort of, you know, forgive and forget uh, everything that went on in the last year. Um, you have an environment where ratings for all award shows are going down, which, you know, only further sort of erodes the power and influence of the HFPA and makes it seem like, well, maybe maybe we we cut that one loose and we put all of our focus on the Oscars and try to salvage the Oscars, which have their own ratings trouble. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people feel like the Globes uh, are and were a, a sort of fun part of Hollywood and represent a huge amount of money to a lot of people. And um, so I, I wouldn't bet against them. Um, coming back. I, I, I think uh, there's just so much money that's wrapped up in, in the entire awards ecosystem. So to kind of cut that ecosystem essentially in half by taking out, uh, you know, what is the third highest rated awards show after the Grammys and the Oscars, that, that's going to be a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow. So um, stay tuned. Essentially, we don't know. We'll, you know, we'll see how this plays out. There's going to be a lot more shoes to drop, I think. <laughs> For sure. And speaking of the other awards shows, um, something that was in a lot of, that a lot of people were talking about leading up to the, the bizarre Twitter thread awards of the Golden Globes was kind of if another awards show could come in and fill in the void that the Golden Globes left. Is there still any chatter about that going on, Josh? Not really. There, there had uh, sort of briefly been, I think, some hope that, um, the Critics' Choice Awards, which is a very low-rated uh, group uh, or award uh, given out on sort of uh, you know uh, cable network here in the states, I'm not even sure if, how if it's international, if it's in Canada, but um, there was some hope that maybe that could sort of step up and take the place of the Globes. Uh, but a that group kind of has its own issues of credibility and. Um, sort of being open to being wooed in ways that maybe uh, undermine le the legitimacy of the award. And B, COVID wiped out their show. So, um, you know, any kind of hope that that, that 
they could just kind of funnel all the attention to the Critics' Choice Awards went out the window when they had to postpone that show due to, due to Omicron. Um, there are other shows. There's the Screen Actors Guild Awards um, that some people have said could could take the place of the Golden Globes. Um, but it's, it is kind of tough to see any other show taking that place. Um, you know, the, a show that that had an audience at its peak of, you know, 20 million people on a major network and attracted every star in, in Hollywood um, is not something that you're gonna be able to replicate very easily. And then my final question uh, for the both of you, I'm just wondering, what do you think, what do you think is gonna be the uh, lesson learned by Hollywood after everything that they've seen happen with the Golden Globes and the very quick and massive downfall of the HFPA? You know, I think a question that came up um, as we reported the initial investigation and then the subsequent coverage that we did from people was a real look at what was the meaning of this award. I think people, um, you know, had a blind eye for years and years and years. I mean, I know I heard from one studio executive that said, you know, some of this was known, but when we read it all laid out like this, it just wasn't okay anymore. And I think you saw that in some of the announcements from Netflix and Warner Brothers, some of the studios when they cut ties, you know, kind of inferred their complicity in this system and society in a more broad way is reckoning with all of these different issues. Is that okay anymore? So I think, is it okay just to be a fun award that, you know, might potentially add millions to the box office? is a question that people are probably thinking that came out of this on, on, on that level. But, you know, things change and money talks. So, you know, a lot could happen in a year. Mm -hmm. And Josh, what do you think is going to be the lesson learned by the industry following everything that's happened this past year? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what lessons, if any, get learned. But um, it, it's definitely raised a lot of uncomfortable questions for sort of everybody who participates in awards about who gets to wield power, how do they wield it, um, you know, who gets to serve as sort of gatekeepers and put this this sort of stamp of approval on on the entertainment that goes out into the world and what are their motivations? And uh, those are not easy questions for anybody to, uh, to really reckon with. Um, you know, I, this is not a group like the, uh, the Academy, which is, you know, made up of people who are actually in the business, who are actually making movies. These are people who have sort of uh, wriggled their way into the system and have power by dint of being, you know, given this power. Um, but do they deserve it? And have they been given this power uh, for good reasons or for ill? Um, it's it's not easy for anybody to sort of figure out. Uh, and and who who is going to be the one to pull the plug is also not clear if it does get pulled. Um, everybody's kind of in this together and everybody's going to have to figure out together uh, whether there is a future for the Golden Globes and if so, how the Golden Globes may change from all this. Mm -hmm. And I think that definitely brings us up to speed with everything that's happened throughout the past, however, two years with the HFPA and also what may lie in the future of this organization. 
uh, there's definitely a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions swirling around with what might happen, but that's what makes it an exciting story to cover and to follow. So definitely something that we'll be all keeping an eye on. Um, but yeah, Stacey and Josh, thank you both so much for coming and joining uh, me on this podcast and lending your expertise to help bring our audience into the fold with everything that's been going on at the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thanks for talking to us. Yeah, thank you.